1: Episode of Black Girls Texting. Shadé
2: here, Glenn here, Chelsea here. How's it going? Hey, ladies. I will hey. just hop right into the on-mat reply. On read or reply. Super excited for this episode. Um, you're going to hear shortly an interview that we did with Aaron Sharkey, who is the editor and sort of like curator of this anthology of essays that I have an essay included in. The anthology is called A Darker Wilderness. It's a collection of essays by black writers on nature and our relationship with nature. Um, and I'm so thrilled. Like, I have a piece in a book. Like, when I held it, I started screaming And it's just so exciting. Um, I'm going to... Oh, and yes, please shop it. Buy it. Local book shop. Please support your local bookstore. Um, I'm going to leave on red. The fact that I think cigarettes are haunting me. I talked about this on a previous episode. I keep finding cigarette butts all over my deck outside. And Um, they're not like old ones that from my smoking days. Because it's a very specific... Type called a per- Parisian, Parisian, some some shit like that. Somebody in my building or something is smoking out their window, uh, presumably, and throwing their butts on my deck. How trifling is that?
0: That's very trifling. Or maybe they they're were jumping on your deck
2: and smoking when you're asleep. <laughs> no, the other day I found one that was like looked like it just was finished it was like still burning a little bit how insane is that who does that Damn. the problem yeah, is good. i haven't built really good relationships with, not that i don't have good relationships relationships with people in my building i just don't like really have relationships with people in my building i'm hey. like rarely hey. here i'm just new brooklyn yeah it actually kind of gives new brooklyn a little bit and like they actually are so good to me there's a couple people That I'm cool with in this building. There's one boy, a little younger than me, black. I've only seen him one time in my life. And it's so crazy because my building is small. Mm -hmm. And I've only seen this boy one time. And I was just like, oh, hey, what's good? Didn't even say, like, hey. I just, I don't know. I'd be in my own world a little bit. Wow, look at the community melting away. I know. It's not good. It's not good. So I feel like. I'm like, maybe they're just like, she doesn't even fuck with us. I don't know, because people here are so kind. (laughs) Like, they pick up my packages, (laughs) and they put my packages in front of my door whenever I have packages. It will be heavy boxes. they move my boxes for me. I live on the first floor, so I don't ever pass them. I don't know. Like, I can't, I'm not an opportunity, I don't have an opportunity to do kind things. So I'm like, do I bring people flowers? This
0: is not a what would you do, but I would suggest you buy them a beautiful ashtray and that's you tea. huh
2: that's tea that's hilarious
0: no, a i love it. no you bring it up to them and you're like um i know there's a smoker here because the butts be in my oh my <laughs> god my that is hilarious i also used to be a smoker and i just wanted to introduce myself i feel like we haven't spoken a lot here's an ashtray
1: I do not agree with that advice <laughs> at all. What? I think that's it's so nice. I Quite hilarious, but also, like, n- no, like, I'm not rewarding you for throwing like, cigarette butts on my fucking How well, Maybe I do think that it's, that's
0: okay. It's n- not on her patio. Maybe they think Dude. it's going
2: on the sidewalk.
1: <laughs> yeah, but also, th- you shouldn't be. I mean, you should not be doing garbage that yeah. in the street. It
2: should yeah. be in, going in the garbage can. Yeah, like just have an ashtray, bro.
1: Oh, God, that made me so Well, sad. clearly they don't I have an ashtray, so give them one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to jump in mm-hmm. in the sake of time. Oh, my God, I just forgot what I was going to leave on red. Oh, okay, I remember. Two things. The situation in Sudan, I am not going to do a full-on, like, CNN report on it if you don't know what's happening. But why isn't Sudan. CNN reporting on it? Ooh. Are they not though? I know a lot of people are saying that western media anywhere isn't reporting. Oh, I just listened to like 57 podcasts about it because I was like, wait, how did this happen? Like yeah. my too long didn't read TLDR of the situation was like there was these two niggas and they had this other nigga who was the president, and then they got together, and they were like, "Fuck that nigga, we about to take him out of here." And then they got rid of him, but then the two niggas that Get got rid of the him. old president ended up beefing, and now they're beefing against each other. So like they they like kicked one of the men out, and now the two of them are fighting amongst themselves, and like there's different armies and somewhere behind each other. So this is really obviously a poor breakdown of the very serious situation. Actually, that was a little bit helpful. However. Um, yeah, I listen to many podcasts about it and what's happening. But yes, I have seen a lot on the interwebs that people feel like there isn't enough Western media about it. And then, of course, the reason that I wanted to leave this on red is because it seems as though these, you know, Western powers, including the United States, aren't really doing anything about the situation. However, we have all this money to send to the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so this just is another example that no one cares about black people. Um, the other thing I'm leaving on red is I really need to find a new thing to do, like a new hobby or a new way to get reinvigorated, because I Mm. feel like my weekends are becoming very, um, mundane and repetitive. Like, I'm tired. I'll go Mm. to a bar and I'll see friends. And then I go to a restaurant and then I'll go to brunch and the weekend's fucking over. So I'm really trying to, like, force myself to do new things i think i'm gonna start going to the farmers farmers market um antique shopping checking um, out new like little vintage shops for home decor yes this all makes me sound very old i was like that's not the um suggestions i was gonna give you are these hobbies or are you just shopping shopping is a hobby
2: (laughs) antiquing could be a hobby so would you go to the farmers market every single sunday or Saturday or whatever.
1: Um, i don't know but maybe because my friend our mutual friend who goes gets really good deals and the stuff is fresh mm. and amazing so i think i'll go there for like weekly produce and meat do you cook that is so balanced
3: i do cook oh
2: damn that is just so um what's the word i want to use like so i can't remember the word adjusted like well adjusted like you're just gonna go to the farmer's market on the weekends well, it's like I my friends that are married else, and they go you... they like walk through fort green park every day after work together and i'm like that's yeah. just so
1: i just don't balanced. have the money or end or the interest to really i'm like that's too kind of expensive do my mm-hmm. usual no the farmer's market won't be expensive you can get like a nice farmers chunk of meat for like eight dollars, like fresh from a farm, my friend that's and I so made a pot of bolognese, and I was eating this bolognese for what ages. What kind of meat was that? It was just beef. It was ground beef. But, like farming, but here's the thing: in, I just assume farmers markets are expensive day. all the yeah, time. Everyone, else. I don't even like. I, I just went bucks. to
0: one in Brentwood, um, and it was definitely more expensive
2: than Whole Foods. Well, I'm gonna go the check same. it
1: out to price compare because you know that's also a big, but it's fresher
2: yes better um, oh my god i love it sorry let me not downplay your new ideas
1: yeah what that's lovely what, what alternatives do you have for me
2: i was like tonight i'm gonna go to like a random show
1: and i'm like oh that's
2: different i'm tempted that's i really kind of want to cancel but i'm gonna do something different
1: Don't i cancel. mean maybe you know i'm really not trying to spend money like i'm just not interested mm-hmm. in that any money so that maybe- i have want to spend garden. on traveling oh, gardening yes, would be great i just, I just planted That's some great. um beets and some peppers that our friend okay. bought me let's see how the fuck that goes i don't know i don't nice. think i have a green thumb maybe um, some herbs too that you can use in your yes seasoning. herbs mm-hmm. i do have mint already okay. and i think i want to get some like basil other things Yeah, you know, leading into cooking, being a domesticated bitch, saving my coin, but I'm leaving the fact that, like, I really don't know what to do with myself on red, and I want recommendations that are not costly. I don't want to be boozing. I gained, like, eight pounds. Not okay. So it's, can't, I'm just not going to be.
2: Yeah, actually, it's funny
1: that you said that because the... Spanish class that I took that was not very good. I'm sorry, but um, I wish <laughs> them well. Asked me to come mm. volunteer with these um, little Spanish-speaking babies up in the Bronx, so I might go. Wait, do that.
0: that sounds like a dream. I know, like I'm little, little kids, when so they, like little Spanish-speaking kids. It's the cutest thing. <laughs> when I'm really like, excited. It. Yeah,
1: but we haven't like set a date yet because she's trying to do it with like other people who were in the class. Um, but I think I will do, do that. And just, I don't know. I think the summertime would be good though. Cause there are more like free events and like, things mm-hmm. to do, but, like the same, like rigmarole of the same bars and the same shit. And the, I,
2: I mean, the bars around. are kind of boring. I was I the other two martinis
1: day. Oh, and it was a hundred dollars. How the fuck oh. did that happen? Oh, no, that's crazy. That's crazy.
2: No, I'm no I, there will be good. But. Hopefully like free oh. concerts in the park and oh. events, more events and things. Yeah. I'm so excited for the summer. I feel like it's about to be so iconic. Epic.
1: And obviously my, my backyard will be like, you want to find me out? That's where I'll be because I just mm-hmm. spent that fucking money on that shit. Um, but anyways, what I'm replying to is really growing up and navigating. I've th- like, there's just been a lot going on in my life these past two weeks. And I've just been able to, persevere and try to you know i don't have a fucking therapist even though i did try BetterHelp. she was bad she was bad mm-hmm. no like shade to better are chatting I with to her the show and maybe help me you find one. Oh no it was on video get it together <laughs> if you're watching this that's to chelsea um she made it, it was work. on video and she was just not my fave um but you know, I'm just using my old tools and figuring it out. So I guess the money that I spend in the past is doing something because I'm, talk <sighs> to your ancestors, managing. Yes, doing a lot of that. And I'm replying to that because
2: life is I need lovely. to know more about the, the E random therapist that you have maybe on the Patreon like they just give you a person when you're in need do you not get to like build a rapport with I the did person research
1: on her well that's first the they gave me this one mm. woman and no shade but she was like i lean into christian counseling and i was like oh i don't know mm. that's gonna work for me no offense it's just we're not aligned right. um so i that's who they like matched me with based off of my profile mm. and i was like because you I'm said not black about person. to tell this older black lady who does mm. christian counseling about my shenanigans, mm-hmm. so I tried to find someone who I was like, it seems a little bit younger, seems a little bit more chill. But she was so fucking chatty. I was like, girl, this is not Joe Session. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then she kept being like, well, you're a good person. I kept being like, you don't know, you don't me. know me. What if I'm a terrible person?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was
1: like, don't do that. Don't placate me. I hate
2: that. Mm-hmm. She's um, nosy. So. She's no Z. Even Ugh. though you know me and Z, we gonna see about Z. Yeah, I thought you were firing yours. I need to. I keep just canceling and canceling, and I'm hoping that she'll just be like, maybe this is not working mm. for wow. us.
1: I really think That's that you need boring. to unpack that in a therapy session. Right. <laughs> say,
2: but girl, I do have some things working. I want to talk to her about this week, so I'm gonna see if it gets better. But every time I go in the session, I'm just so bored.
1: Well, you try to be in the wild, wild west out here trying to find good therapists, okay? Yeah, maybe hey, I'm just going to hold you.
2: out to know that she's there, but then I have to start my insurance thing all over again, and I finally met my deductible. I think I it's
1: know. so crazy oh, that you work for the company more. you work at, and you have a deductible. Ghetto. Low
2: well, that's down.
1: what you elected.
2: I think I have no choice. No, well, there's
0: I always, didn't. like, different... Well pay attention next um time they have called? that little Open session enrollment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's different options. Yeah. But okay, then you pay good. more. It's you know. Mm-hmm. Um
2: okay, what about you, Chelsea?
0: Um I'm gonna reply to my Jeep Wrangler. His name is Esteban. I keep, I keep
1: seeing that car everywhere. It's really like freaking my car? In that, that color? Yes. With the one touch? Okay, girl, I don't know about all of that, but it's <laughs> the green. The top can come down with a button. It's green and it looks like your car. I don't know what's going I'm on in sure the I'm sure it's inside. not a one touch. Um, <laughs>
0: because that's rare. Uh so mine is a one touch and it's also a four by E, so it's electric hybrid EV. So it's not what you've what you've seen, I'm sure. Oh my Um <laughs> but I absolutely love my car. Uh you know, it's my first ever car and I have like an actual relationship with the car. Like when we were in Palm Springs and I had to park the car outside, I gave it a kiss goodnight because he's never been outside before. He's always been in a
2: garage. You are one of the kind. <laughs> <laughs> what are you um But that's really cute. Um I get that.
1: But it's just like it's, And you just I like love like it. It's your thing.
2: I'm like, I'm it's yours. Car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna and say, what like,
1: are you smoking? But I, I know what you're
0: smoking. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, um and grown. like it's because like when I was getting the car I was like, Oh, should I pay the extra whatever to get the one touch? And I did, and I'm so glad I did because that's like a part of the California experience, I think, is having the top down mm-hmm. and the wind mm-hmm. is blowing through your hair and it's kind of blowing and it's covering your eyes, but you're on the highway. So you have to see and move your hair real fast. Mm. Um, anyway, so I'll reply to that car. Very visual. And mm-hmm. I am leaving on red. Mm, nothing really. I mean, I can. Well, yeah, I'm not leaving anything on red. I Period. That. Life is good. I'm trying to think if there's... Maybe something will pop up, but as of now, nothing. <laughs> oh, well, I'm um, leaving on Red the fact that I need to start planning this fucking wedding. Ooh.
1: So I set some time ooh. aside to just get started this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes, please advise. Please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the year is starting to fill up and I'm getting <laughs> fucking nervous. Okay. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> my man got three now. I'm like, <gasps> oh,
2: fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. I mean,
1: here's the th- like, if uh, He will just split it up but that would suck, you know? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Anybody I have a hotline, bling. I bear
1: you and say that I don't.
2: I have a quick one. I won't get into it too much, but my friend that's supposed to be moving to LA, and we never thought that the move was happening. It is happening. They sent me a video of their apartment. They went yesterday to make their down payment. Wow. And it was like very overwhelming for me that I didn't expect we were on the phone and I like burst into tears and I just like went on mute and he's like hey like are you there blah 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 and it was like all sad and shit Aww. and I was just like I have to go and then he messaged me like I know I'm sad too blah blah, blah, blah blah
1: write that down for your conversation that's what
2: I'm saying I do have things to discuss with Z
0: do you know what you're sad about because like technically you could still visit him I mean them <laughs> right then, um, they can still visit you.
2: Yeah, Facetime. They were like, it was one point when he said, like, we were talking about beef, and he's like, oh, like, should we watch it together? Maybe I can come this week. And I was like, oh my god, like that, like we just that just won't happen anymore. Yeah. So, um,
3: easily. But if
0: it, if it makes you feel any better, I feel like me moving here i've actually ended up spending more time with certain friends because Mm -hmm. then they come here and they stay with me and it's like that's a whole different level of
2: like someone staying days at your home versus true that's true a lot of time i mean well there is the added layer of the video that was sent to me of their apartment was of their shorty i was like please don't get into this now take it to the patreon take it to the patreon Patreon. she will not
1: be visiting
2: no yeah Mm -mm. take
1: it to the fucking patreon
2: no 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 we're supposed to be having Um. dinner this week and i'm just gonna be like listen plan maybe i don't really have a plan actually
1: yeah Um, okay okay i'm cutting you off (laughs) yeah my goodness, sis,
2: that's a Black girl doing shit. So group chat, this week's Black girl doing shit is Erin Sharkey. Erin is a writer, arts and abolition organizer, cultural worker, and film producer based in Minneapolis. She is the co-founder with Januta Petrus of an experiential arts collective called Free Black Dirt and is a producer of film projects including Sweetness of Wild, an episodic web film project, and Small Business Revolution, which explored challenges and opportunities for Black-owned businesses in the Twin Cities in the summer of 2021, Sharkey has received fellowships and residencies from the Loft Mentor Series, VoNa Voices, which is where we met—really cool. The Given Foundation, Coffee House Press the Bell Museum of Natural History, Panubra Theater, and the Jerome Foundation. In 2021, Sharkey was awarded the Black Seed Fellowship from Black Visions and the Headwaters Foundation. She has an MFA in creative writing from Hamline University and teaches with the Minnesota Prison Writing Workshop. And she also edited a new anthology of Black travel writing called A Darker Wilderness, Black Nature Writing From Soil to Stars, which is out right now from Milkweed, got it right here and i'm super excited to have an essay in this book as well and to just have a conversation with you about it today Erin.
0: and now a word from our sponsors this episode of black girls texting is brought to you by mickey d's
4: some of fan truths are the realest conversations always happen in a mickey d's booth
0: and all the best nights out end with a bite from mickey d's
4: Also, a full car ordering in the Mickey D's drive-thru is just the right amount of chaos. Or a full car of
0: what you want in the Mickey D's drive-thru is just the right amount of chaos. Mickey D's is the affordable answer to taking the whole family
4: to dinner. These are some fan truths. Everyone's got their own Mickey D's moments. Go on and make some more delicious memories. With some of the best and most capable vehicles in the world, Ford knows strong means more than just physical. Ford is sharing the inspiring stories of those behind the wheel who are accomplishing their goals, pursuing their dreams, and creating the world they want to live in. Built Ford Proud highlights Dee Bryant, a Ford driver who has shown strength in how she is breaking boundaries to create change in her field for those all around her. Dee Bryant is a professional stunt driver featured in over a hundred films, movies, and shows. She began riding motorcycles at age 11. Dee has done stunts in many commercials, but she always finds herself gravitating towards Ford vehicles as her personal ride went off screen. In fact, much of her stunt driving training took place in a Ford Mustang. Dee is one of a few females and even fewer African-American female stunt drivers in the entire industry. She constantly battles against sexism, racism, and unfair representation as many productions try to get around hiring female drivers. As part of her fight for equality, she co-founded the Association of Women Drivers, a stunt driving school where she helps teach other women to stunt drive. She is just one of the many examples that show us that Ford... Drivers span all walks of life, each with an individual story that shows how they're built Ford Proud. Learn more about D. Bryant's story at Ford.com forward slash built Ford Proud. Breaking the mold, strengthening communities, creating change. Real stories brought to you by Ford, built Ford Proud.
2: Hey, group chat. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. Growing up, I was never a tampon kind of girl. I know I'm not alone here. Before I ever even used them, I was scared. I just assumed that they would be uncomfortable. And as a woman with a heavy flow, I wasn't sure how secure they would be. But as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that there's nothing to fear. It took me a couple tries to get it right. But now that I know how to properly insert a Tampax, I don't even feel it. Using Tampax during my cycle has given me so much flexibility and gives me more freedom so I can do and wear what I want on my period. Because, you know, I'm a woman on the go, I'm on long flights, beach trips, busy work days, bopping around the city. When my period comes, I don't want to have to modify and limit what I can do. I want to keep living my unapologetic, multi hyphenated lifestyle. And I never have to worry about leaks, because just like a pad, Tampax can absorb even your heaviest flow and give you an up to 100% leak-free experience you can't see or feel. So for everyone with periods who's never used a Tampax, I encourage you to incorporate it into your menstrual routine. It's comfortable and flexible protection from start to finish.
1: All right, y'all. It's time for the group
2: chat. Kicking it off. For all of us, including my co-hosts, what is everyone's earliest memory of nature and what emotions do you associate with that memory of yourself in nature, I should say? That's
3: hard. I think for me, yeah, I feel like I, I remember feeding ducks with my grandpa when I was a little, little kid. Um, we lived with my parent my grandparents for a little while when I was little, little, and um, so my grandpa was in charge of me. And so we would go on errands, which included going to the uh, bakery and getting day old bread to feed the ducks. And we would spend time with ducks. Um, but yeah, I think it was with him. He thought he could tell the greatest stories. He could like tell me anything about anything natural. He knew all the tree names. He knew things about animals he named animals that were not his to name so there was a duck ducks that visited this pond that he called Min and bill and he was sure that they were the same ducks for 10 years i'm sure they weren't but (laughs) (laughs) we always went to visit they kept the same
2: names Mm -hmm. yeah so
0: sweet for me it would definitely be prospect park um i'm from flatbush in brooklyn and lived like less than 10 minutes from the park um or lived um And yeah, it was nature, but also, like, the black people in the nature. So, like, there would be this drum circle that my mom would have us go to every weekend. Um, And it was, like, you know, people playing drums on, like, a patch of dirt, um, trees surrounding them. I just think of, like, that park specifically.
2: Oh, I love that. (laughs) Shade.
1: guys know I really struggle with the memory of my childhood um I don't really have like a distinct memory of nature like I think I thought growing up in Bed-Stuy that like my block was nature like yeah trees outside until I like would get out of the city and be like oh my god (laughs) like there's just vast land where there are no other people and no other homes. But to me, this was nature.
2: That is so valid. And it actually makes me think tree grows in Brooklyn. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. In, in Aaron's essay in the book an urban farmers almanac, you have this line, Aaron, where you're like, um, Oh my God, where is it? Something where it's like the hood has nature. The hood is natural too. Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. yeah it's at the very end
3: my book launch i bawled i was not expecting but it made me cry because i was thinking about that place um
2: oh yeah it says the hood is a natural place nature isn't good
3: or bad go ahead want to read that part for us an almanac trusts observation and predict prediction the magic of its accuracy is in both the longevity of its observations and the faith that there is a pattern to observe that waiting will reveal a design behind the phenomenon. Nature isn't good or bad. Nature is a relationship, a big map of interconnectedness, of needs met, bodies transformed. The hood is a natural place. The hood was natural before the garden grew up in the middle of it. And beyond the garden, the moon is faithful and sits in the same sky Banneker looked at for predictions, to make predictions. So beautiful. So beautiful, and
2: that yeah, just I guess you're, both of your reflections, Chelsea and Shadé, of like just us existing within nature but within cities. I my early memories of nature are the same. Like I remember catching a catfish in Prospect Park, mm-hmm. and I was so hyped. There was like a pond where you go fishing, yeah. and I did you have you done that, Chelsea? Oh, I
0: used to feed ducks by the pond.
2: Yeah, I felt like I was like a kid on TV. I was like, <laughs> who goes fishing? Mm-hmm. And when Aaron first asked me to, to do an essay for this collection, I I kind of went back into my old memories of being like my old conceptions of like nature is like some white shit. My people be camping. They love being outside. We don't do that. Black people don't do that. Um, and I think a lot of that for me was like just the subconscious like idea that I had from media from like the Disney channel Um But it's also like very much by design. Like nature is supposed to be this great equalizer. It's land, yet black folks' relationship to nature has long been fraught. So I found some information according to a study by North Carolina State University, people of color are three times more likely than white people to live in places that have no immediate access to nature. Mm -hmm. And this is a result of a history of redlining, forced migration and economic segregation. Um, Spending summers with your family at a national park has been like a great American pastime. But for black folks, there was the combination of lack of economic access to vacations. And then these parks would be white only. Um, and then throughout history, nature and the outdoors have been the site of violence and lynchings for black folks. So they also hold a lot of trauma. Um, and then in recent history, we have the murder of Ahmad Arbery while jogging outside. And then the targeting of Christian Cooper, the birdwatcher mm-hmm. in Central Park. Mm-hmm. So with all of that added to that, that black folks haven't often had a space within nature writing because we haven't had access to nature. Erin, can you speak more about? About just this kind of context and the inspiration for a darker wilderness, and why you thought it needed to be in the world.
3: Yeah, thanks for that question. Um, I so I have this like mixed uh, experience as a child. I'm a mixed race person, and I was raised by my white mom and my white stepdad for the most part. Um, and so I did have that those summers and natural and national parks experience. I I think we slept in every state, every, all the 48 states before I was done with high school. So we spent a lot of time traveling and um, making our life in front of our neighbors in a big national park and lots of white folks looking at us, lots of questions about why I was there, where Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, do I belong there? Why are my parents white and I'm not white? That sort of thing. So I, I got that experience for sure. And I think, um, I gained some comfort through my parents' comfort in moving in those spaces. Um, But I'm also, you know, a kid that grew up at an inner city church in Minneapolis and, and I was on buses every summer to go to summer camp or day camps or, you know, swimming at some, the city beaches. Um, And so I definitely had that sort of blue sky camp experience too, that a lot of kids have that live in inner city places. I, I think that the, the, the inspiration from the book for the book actually happened while I was teaching a, a nature writing class in um, prison here in Minnesota. Um, and it, I don't know what I really expected. I thought I was going to um, be interacting with students who are writing about childhood experiences for the most part, um, but they were able to identify nature happening every day to them, even inside of a prison. They were able to notice, you know. The birds flying past, the yellow jackets that were, you know, finding the dandelions on the yard, they were thinking about the seasons as they passed. Um, And so it helped kind of crack open the definition of nature for me and the Mm. ways that we even find relationships with nature in our own houses, like thinking about the ways that the sunlight moves across our spaces or our little house plants, those sort of things is all nature too. And I think um, the the idea that's in a lot of nature writing is that you have to go to nature, right? That it's somewhere far away, that nature actually belongs to a very fit white man who's wearing Mm -hmm. like Patagonia gear, Mm -hmm. who is setting out to do something no one else has done before climbing the highest something and planting their flag and saying that's theirs, right? Naming it for themselves. And so I think it it deserves a rebrand. It deserves us to reimagine it because we have to contend with all those things: redlining, um, racial covenants. We have to think about Jim Crow and its effect on how comfortable people have been in nature, and and it has created a rot relationship. But also, Black folks have been stewarding ma- land that isn't their own land for a very long time. Many of us, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so we have the the ways that Black folks have been stewarding and been in relationship with nature has pers- persisted despite the ways the state has really aimed to separate us from those positive relationships. Um, so I was really inspired by some reading I was doing. I actually um, got a residency in an archive at the University of Minnesota of African-American History. And I was reading um, the narratives of formerly enslaved people. This part of the Federal Works Commission, they um, sent white ladies mostly around the South and interviewed folks who had survived enslavement. And I was struck by how much the narratives talked about the garden and I'd never thought Mm. about the garden as a place on a plantation. I'd never, I mean, Mm. obviously, but I hadn't really thought about toiling in the fields or toiling in the house, but that there might've been a place, uh, where enslaved people experienced autonomy or pride and liberation in a place where they could grow the best tomatoes or, Mm. um, You know, and that was really exciting to me to think about that as a seed, uh, which is why the archive plays a big role in the book, too. So each of the essays in the collection is anchored by an archival object.
2: Erin was super helpful with the archive element because I was like, oh, my God, I already have to think about my relationship to nature, which I felt I did not have one. And then I'm like, Mm. now let's add the archival piece. But um, it was really cool. She introduced me to... Um this there so there was like a a guest house in Martha's Vineyard called Taylor's Playfair, and the image that's in the book is kind of of like their advertisement for what like a traveler could go there and experience, and there's an image at the top of that sort of ad of a family like posted up i'll let me see if you guys can see it um like on the lawn and I found this like so quintessentially like American and summer. Like on the lawn chairs, there's a dog, there's like this matriarch at the center, and they look so comfortable on this land, and they're like claiming it as their own. And then, of course, there was this like relation to the fact that my family runs bed and breakfasts and places of refuge for Black people. So I was thinking about how Martha's Vineyard has been this place that Black people could actually go and engage with nature safely and experience leisure and how nature provides leisure and ease for people, but how inaccessible it's long been for black people. Um, And I thought specifically about this one weekend that my family and I went up to our bed and breakfast um, and a lot of shit was happening with my my family. Like my cousin had recently died like a year prior to that. We were in the midst of the pandemic. George Floyd was murdered like months prior to that. And this is when like cities were on fire. Like everybody was burning the cities were burning America was burning and we retreated to nature to like connect and be with each other. Um, so yeah, as the story unfolded, I was realizing how much more profound that weekend was than I realized at the time. But that actually brings me to another question that I had Aaron. Um, cause this book was somewhat birthed during that time, right? Like COVID black lives matter revolution. Like how does that contextualize the way we look at this book?
3: Totally. Well, um, I started the book project before the pandemic and before the uprising that really swallowed my city. And um, and so, you know, I had a few people had agreed to be part of the project and were starting to write. And then me, I like a lot of other writers were asked to put, put down other work and to reflect on the moment, which is really challenging, really hard to think about it as we were going through the trauma. And so um, it extended the period of time that it took for the book to be born. You know, it really, uh, I worked at the press to give the writers more opportunity, more chance, more like space because, um, yeah, it was really, it was a really hard time for me to think longer than a couple sentences myself. And I was asked to, in the moment, reflect on, you know, how it was changing my teaching or how it was changing my feelings of safety when like literally our apartment was full of smoke. Um, days on end. Mm-hmm. There were tanks going down our streets. There were people finding and sending, you know, bombs behind our dumpster, wow. like things that were terrifying. And we were organizing every day. I was on calls with the organizers across the city to think about imagining past police responding to our streets on fire, making sure people had basic things, diapers and, and food, because we couldn't get medicine. They closed all the pharmacies in town. Like it was a wild time here. You know? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was challenged to think about it. One other thing that happened to me during that period is that um, I had I was invited to visit a retreat center in Central Minnesota. Um, it had been started by a group of nuns, and then um, it was being stewarded by a, a white couple that had on their heart that they knew that the land should be stewarded by people of color. And they asked me and my friends if we wanted to have it <laughs> It wanted mm. to buy it. And so wow. we um, we raised a little money. We formed an, a cooperative business and we started up a nonprofit and we took over a retreat center. And so we were offering respite in nature for folks who were doing frontline work here in Minnesota. And so that felt really, it felt um, like it was answering a, a desire of my heart to be closer to nature myself and to um, to revision retreat in Minnesota because Minnesota it's people go up north all the time they have cabins on all our 15,000 lakes here in, the, in Minnesota but that's an experience that's really not accessible to people of color here in Minnesota so it was great to to buy this mm-hmm. place and say we have it and it's owned by a bunch of black lesbians and we want to host you and make it feel like a safe make it feel safe to you to be in nature because nature can really heal us and we needed it when it was so hot Absolutely. on our blocks
2: yeah literally wow that's beautiful yeah you have to come I, out uh, and stay there we'd love to I would you. love that please sleep right
0: yeah that's incredible <laughs> I know I'm having that's so true. many thoughts about this like idea of the inaccessibility of nature when I was younger I was in this program that you may have heard of called the fresh air fund and Mm -hmm. so like a bunch of inner city kids were bussed out to like upstate new york and these people just have acres and acres of land um you get to milk cows and you know pick apples from the apple orchard go fishing Mm -hmm. catch frogs catch butterflies and like all these things (laughs) that we don't really get to do in the city and that joyful experience, but also that feeling of fear because it's so unknown. Like mm-hmm. I think about get out yeah. and like being in this very, there's a lot of land and like it gets really dark at night and you feel very unsafe. So yeah. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. so excited to to finish your book and hear mm-hmm. read all the stories about, you know, specifically people of color in nature and their yeah. relationship yeah. to it. Yep.
3: Yeah. My wife always jokes. She says, <laughs> my wife always says, you know, in the city, someone can hear you scream and they won't hear you scream in the country, um, which is real. And there is this power in neighbors. And we really had to work hard to find trusted folks and community around retreats on our retreat center in, in mm. rural Minnesota. And we asked our community before we said yes to the project to, to help us to, to game, like to, pl- to, to figure it out together. Like, would it feel safe to be there does it feel mm-hmm. good to be there what what would we need to change in order for it to feel good and um, and people really talked about how scary it is to drive through trump trump rural minnesota mm-hmm. i mean and it's and that's the spaces where folks are using their billboards and their fences and the size yep. of their barns to say we i passed one that's like you're get your head checked if you don't like trump and then like really icky things about the elected officials that are female in Minnesota. So like Ilhan Omar and Amy Klobuchar and, Mm -hmm. and it, it feels scary to me, you know, and even in our first few weeks um, being at Root Springs, somebody put a um, let's go Brandon or whatever bumper sticker Mm -hmm. on our sign, which felt like, okay, maybe that's a joke or maybe that's nothing, but it, it does feel like a threat. And so we had to really think about, yeah, do we want to be out there scraping the sticker off of our sign. Right. Um, and we really, you know. It's, and bringing it, people it's a there. Stick. Exactly. Inviting you people know? and saying, this is a place you can decompress and feel safe. Um, exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. That's something I like contend with a lot in my essay too because I'm writing about going up to rural Pennsylvania where my family has this bed and breakfast and Chelsea and Shadi have been up there before the election for the first time Trump was running and the time when I went back in this essay was when he was running for re-election and like, Ooh, child. And we were there the weekend of 4th of July, and they love to show out 4th of July. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. Um, But another essay in the book, Erin, was written by Ronald L. Greer II, who's currently incarcerated. And powerfully, there's no accompanying archival image to his essay. And you invite readers to consider the empty space with an argument for abolition of the prison industrial complex. And being that you've worked within prisons, teaching, creative writing. I'm just so curious about sort of how you came to doing that work and why you believe the prison industrial complex must be abolished.
3: Yeah. Don of prisons, fuck them. So when I was living um, in Buffalo, New York, I lived there for 10 years. Um, I lived on an urban farm and um, the organization I was working with had a a neighborhood center that had a commercial kitchen in it and folks were using that kitchen to like make small food businesses. So people were making maybe bean pies and hot sauce and stuff like that. And, um, one evening I woke up in the middle of the night and the whole building was ablaze. The, the, it felt like the whole block was on fire. And in the morning was discovered that it was some young people in the community that had person fired the building, um, and so in an instant, we I lost my workplace, a lot of people lost their businesses, we lost this neighborhood center, um, and so I was part of a group of people that went to court around this fire, and in the, when we were in court, it became super clear that the kid who had orchestrated this fire was ours and was part of, was one of us. And that we didn't want him to get gobbled up by the system. And so we spent time um, advocating with the district attorney to allow us to do our own process in community. So it was my first foray into what is maybe transformative justice. We called it reparative justice at the moment when we were doing it. Um, but we got to build relationship with this young person and to understand his situation, understand the relationships that we had together, we got to tell him about the trauma of of the fire and Mm -hmm. he was able to invest in the neighborhood and spend time doing uh, community service right on the block. And, um, you know, he worked really hard. He got mentored by a a plumber. He got his plumber license. He's like a a union plumber now. He's like dad owns a house on the block. Um, So I really got to see acutely how, The prison system really aimed to take that kid away from us to train to like like really make him ashamed of himself and and give him the skills to re-victimize our community after Mm. serving time and so it was our job to to know him to not outsource the this conflict resolution to this entity that didn't care about us um and so i i was part of a something called an abolitionist reading group at that point and we were reading lots of texts and thinking about the ways that we could identify the the ways that the prison system or the policing system had infiltrated our relationships and the way that we you know maintained the community center were we policing the community center we didn't want to do that, you know mm. so um that was sort of my the little seed for me around abolition and when i moved back to minnesota to do my mfa at hamlin I um, wanted to spend that time talking about the relationship I have with my father, who was absent much of my childhood. Um, I knew him until I was about five years old. And then we didn't connect again uh, until I was 22. And um, so during that period of time, when we were separated from each other, he was incarcerated. And I was curious about his incarceration, I was thinking about what that meant for me in my writing and had an opportunity to to be a part of this Minnesota Prison Writing Workshop and instantly fell in love with that kind of teaching, that kind of relationship building. So the best writers in Minnesota are inside. There are some genius mm-hmm. minds who are really doing incredible work and um, making time. You know, you think prison, is kind of like, what are they doing in there? It's very, it's very scheduled. They're like in programs, they're in classes, they have like a very tight schedule. So the folks that really prioritize writing are, they really care about it. And so it's been the best teaching I've ever done. I think the kind of, I'm inspired every time I'm in that, that environment. I feel like the writing really gets me back to my own writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Ronald shared the essay that is in the collection started as a one page um, sort of p- like little snapshot of his grandfather's garden, which was the heart of his childhood in um, the neighborhood he grew up in to- in Detroit. Um, and I asked him, I said, please, can you can you can you write more? Can you expand it? And that was right before the pandemic. And we all experienced the pandemic in really life changing ways, but I the experience of those folks that are incarcerated in minnesota at least abysmal like people were dying left and right he was sleeping on a cot in a gym with other sick people for weeks on end they didn't have visitation no programming no they didn't even eat together they didn't have any religious services it's a miracle that he survived that time and that he was able to do this beautiful writing It's a gorgeous essay. It's he yeah. should be so so proud of it, um, and so yeah, we wanted to to I to talk about how the challenges of him writing it. So because I'm a teacher, I can't communicate directly with him outside of the classroom. It's like a Department of Corrections. Um, rule thing. (laughs) So Mm. we had to play like a very complicated game of telephone in order to communicate. So I communicated to someone else at MPWW who talked to someone who is able to talk to heads of education, who sent messages through the kite system to him in his cell and he wrote back. So we just, the idea of getting archival objects to him, just impossible. And his own, he doesn't have any of his own archive of his own childhood pictures or mementos like those things don't serve prison. So Mm -hmm. we thought that a blank page would allow us to talk about the real like heroic effort in writing this thing and that there are so many people who don't have access to the sacred objects of our history Mm -hmm. um, so that we use that space to talk about that. That's amazing. It's yeah. an amazing I, story. I got, to, I got special permission to go visit him on publication day. And we got a review that morning that said his was the best of the best essays in the collection. And <laughs> it was so fun. I got, I handed him the reviews and he was reading it to himself and one of his buddies was there and he was like, give it to me. And he started reading it out loud and they were all hyping him up. And it felt like a celebration for all of his writer friends inside. And
2: yeah, it's so incredible. It You've just really done something incredible with this book, Erin. I feel so honored to be a part of it, to have worked with you on it, and just congratulations. It's yes. amazing. Um, of course, I said I shouted it out when we started, but um, how about you say it in your own words to our listeners, tell them about the book, where to find it, and anything else they should look out for.
3: Yeah, so it's called A Darker Wilderness, Black Nature Writing from Soil to Stars. It's a um, Milkweed edition's this- publication. Um, It should be available wherever books are sold. Please buy it from an independent bookseller. That feels good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, buy a second one and share it with someone. Um, Yeah, and I'm heading out on the road soon. So you might see me in your city sometime. I'd love to interact. Um, Yeah, and come check out Root Springs, um, which is the retreat center in Minnesota. We'd love to have you visit if you're ever out in the Midwest yes definitely we'll soon have a hot tub so
1: nice
3: <laughs> say less Where can people
1: find out if you'll be in their city
3: well i should have my website out of dormancy soon so check okay. out aaron sharky com. amazing um, or you can find me on social stuff i'm on instagram at aaron Jaws.
2: thanks for pulling up to the group chat aaron. <laughs> Thank so And thanks much. for
3: having me yeah, and thanks for sharing with me your stories from Absolutely. your childhoods of nature. Thank you. Of course. Mm-hmm. Kicking it off
2: for all of us, including my co-hosts, what is everyone... What would
3: you do?
1: How do we have a what would you do? I don't think so. I think we need to run to Patreon and unpack what's going on with oh, okay. Um So this is an emergency exit. Emergency what would you exit. do? We'll be live. So in a...
0: in What do they say on the plane? Say... Yes.
2: Evacuation or something?
0: You what? know, if you're like in the emergency exit seat, you have to. Say oh, oh,
2: oh. Verbally, <laughs> you're silly. Verbally say oh. it. Verbally, yes. Agree.
3: Commit or whatever.
0: Like if or you address. nod, they're like, you have to
2: say it.
3: Mm hmm, hmm.
2: And if you pull your mask down yeah and everything. You know, Anyways, guys. Thanks. Thanks for
0: listening to Black Girls. We are Black Girls. We text black girls texting and we're black girls texting on all social media platforms except for twitter where we're black girls text one follow us on patreon it's really not that much money
1: it's like a starbucks a month so you can afford mm, it i i think i think it i highly recommend you get the one that's like maybe two starbucks a month um, okay maybe but like if you want the one that's one sweatshirt? fine that's your business okay yeah um and what else twitter black girls text one black, TikTok, girl black one. girls texting get a sweatshirt go on geneva listen to the youtube support us geneva. help us get oh, yes. rich definitely look at the youtube for sure yes. even
0: <laughs> if you're just playing it on mute when you step out and you're working from home and you just want to keep the computer on put on black girls texting I I
2: highly recommend okay.
0: thanks for listening Happy, bye bye Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.